Hello and welcome to At First Glance, a podcast where we take a glance at movie, television, comics, anime, and let you know if it's worth a second. And I am your host, Jeremy McKinley, joined by... Brian Powers. And today we are talking about the new Jordan Peele film, his third film, I believe, Nope, a.k.a. Not of Planet Earth, I believe, right? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, fun fact, I was uh, some doing some research today. But yes, uh, Jordan Peele uh, of uh, of Get Out fame, and of course his uh, his you know world famous you know comedy sketch with uh, of Key and Peele. Like he's become he's made some like something of a name of himself with uh, with just you know that first movie, Get Out, which uh, I believe you and I and Russell all had it like our number one of the year. Am I correct? I had it at number two that year, but I was. I think all of us had it either one or two, but uh, retroactively, yeah. It, in my opinion, it's one of the best films of the last decade. Oh, agreed. Easily. Like, Easily. Like for me, best films of the best films of the decade or the or of, of that of that decade was basically Get Out and Whiplash for me. So. I still haven't seen that, but I'm going to. I'm telling you, man. When you get to the year 2014, that's the best year of movies. Oh yes, and and when you finally get there, I want the confirmation. And you shall receive it. So, uh, last time we talked Jordan Peele, we were talking Get Out. Uh, so you and I um, did not discuss us. So before we hop into um, his new one, Nope. Uh, what were your thoughts on us? Um, I, I liked us. Um, I think I ended up seeing it like three times in the theater. Um, it, it definitely wasn't as focused as Get Out. It, he had a lot on his mind, and it was a lot of interesting stuff, but not all of it really jived or blended together. Um, not a, not all of it made a lot of sense. Winston Duke and Lupita Nyong'o were just amazing in that yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh... Yeah, definitely, definitely not as not as strong as Get Out, but most movies aren't. Yeah, I mean, here's I, I've I've heard us described as a abstract horror, and I think that's an apt description because it doesn't really seem because it seems to be very formless for the most part. It's funny when you go on to like you know websites or YouTube where you know you got you know a bazillion channels trying to explain all the layers of you know metaphors and themes of any given movie at any given time. And when you watch any of them for us, they're all kind of like I mean it could mean a lot of things. <laughs> and you know that becomes a problem when something can mean everything, right? <laughs> So, yeah, again, uh, I agree with you. I thought the acting and, and cinematography and all that stuff was very good. I also love Elizabeth Moss in that film. I thought she was great oh, as well. Oh, that's right. Yes. And, um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, but, yeah. Baron Holtz was in that as well, I believe. Oh, yeah. He played her husband. Oh, he's great. I mean, again, his, his cast, like the acting and the cast are always great. It's just... Uh, you know, Get Out was just so tight and so focused, but also, you know, and, and it had a great plot on top of great commentary, and each one was just like, you know, milk and cookies. It complemented the other, you know? Yeah, and, and I think uh, uh, this movie, which we'll get into, but it, it's had, 
I've had to deal with the get out problem. Um, with it being, uh, or address, I guess, uh, the get out problem, which is I- I'm chasing that dragon, you know? It's, it's... Because get out was so good. And, like, I love it. I've seen it three, four, five times, and it gets better every time. And, I, and I, I'm chasing that again with him. Um, and with this movie, I realized that I need to just let that go. Yeah. It's, um, I was going to discuss it, but you brought it up uh, before I could. But um, the curse of the early masterpiece, right? Yeah, or some whales comes right to mind uh, with, with Citizen Kane, of course. Yeah, and you just have very few... I mean, it's hard... Like, you have very few directors that can kind of keep topping themselves. I mean, even the greats like Spielberg, like, after a certain point, just hasn't had the magic. And, and Spielberg, you know, is one of those you know directors that's like... Um, that's That had a great run, you know? Like, Amazing. like yeah. you know, like very few directors have had a run as good as him. I would say I think Chris Nolan has a very great record as well. I mean, to follow up the you know to follow up Dark Knight with Inception is just you know, <sighs> and so with this you just kind of realize that you know Jordan Peele's going to try some different shit, and whether or not I think it all clicks, I appreciate him for not being safe. Oh, he's definitely not safe. Um, I mean, this is an original of a blockbuster movie um, and it's uh, very different from his other two films like he is he is taking big swings and like you said even if it doesn't always connect 100% I, I, I hope he keeps taking big swings Oh, me too. In fact, uh, you know, I, I, I just talked about Spielberg, and there's definitely some Spielberg influence in this one for sure. Oh, we're going to talk about that for sure. So let's just break down the plot real quick. Uh, we will get into spoilers for all y'all listening. But, uh, yeah, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way not to. <laughs> so basically the plot is you have, uh, uh, you have a brother and sister. The brother runs a horse ranch for Hollywood horses, and... Um, Basically, uh, the ranch is kind of falling on hard times as he's not as charismatic as his uh, as his father uh, was played by the great Keith David. Yeah. And um, so he um, he and his sister basically find a new uh, a potential new um, r- uh, route to making some some money, and that is um, UFOs. <laughs> They want to just uh, basically, you know, catch some UFOs on tape and then uh, get it out there. They, but it can't just be any shot, you know, Brian. It has to be that Oprah shot. It's gotta be that Oprah shot. <laughs> and so, I uh, love that. and so, I figure uh, instead of our usual one to ten rating at the end, we'll go, you know, bad, good, or Oprah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Brian. What you got about this movie for me?
like you said, they uh, uh, are having some troubles um, with their business, having to sell off some horses and, and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's talking about representation. Um, it's talking about exploitation of animals. And kind of as a surrogate for uh, the exploit- exploitation of people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that uh, Jordan Peele really doesn't like the Hollywood system <laughs> uh, whatsoever, um, and and uh, how how he is just uh, giving you spectacle while also telling you that spectacle can be bad. <laughs> oh yeah. Um... Yeah, it's weird, especially uh, with this one and Get Out, because I remember listening to these guys. I like watching. I don't know. If, I don't know. If you, I don't know if you've ever watched the uh, the YouTube channel uh, uh, Lessons from the Screenplay, but but uh, great uh, great channel. Uh, I give it a watch when you can. But they have a podcast and they were talking about Get Out, um, and they were talking about how did this get made? We This guy wrote a movie where all the bad people are white in, in Hollywood and got it made. And on top of that, they're not even like, you know, like Southern Confederate flag white. They're liberal white. Yeah. And they got it made. And it's like, you know, there's not like one, there's not even like that one good white, like white, you know, like, like representative of like, hey, here's one of the good ones, you know? Like, no, they're all bad. They're literally and I'm like, I mean, I mean, that's a bold move, Cotton. I'm considering that that's pretty much all that runs Hollywood. <laughs> well, there's a reason why he only got like two million dollars to make that movie. Yep. And then made, you know, and then made all the money. And liberals were just like, wait, if you bash us more, we'll make even more money. <laughs> exactly. Do, hey, do that again, please. Do it. Do it again. We'll take it. Hit me even harder. <laughs> So yeah, this really does kind of tap into the exploitation, especially with um, uh, like like you said, you know, the the animals kind of being the surrogates for people and stuff. And I and I, I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, this movie is also strange to me because because uh, uh, you know, I, and I like that um, it's again putting characters in situ- putting characters in environments I've never seen. I've never seen. I mean, I don't think I've really ever seen movies that deal with, like, Hollywood animal wranglers in general. No. Just, like, at all. So I can't even say, like, oh, I haven't seen a black person, you know, deal with horses. Like, I haven't seen people deal with horses, like, behind the scenes in movies generally. So this was kind of a nice kind of a little behind-the-scenes thing to see in a little history lesson with the Edward Moy Bridge and the first, you know, person on film being a black guy on a horse and really appreciated that. I thought Kiki Palmer was just having the time of her life. <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, she is she she she's fun to watch. Oh, she's fun to watch and uh our uh, our boy um what's her brother's name? <laughs> uh her brother's name is uh OJ in the movie. OJ, that's, that's right. How did I forget that? <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing, you know, uh Jordan Peele, he's all about little details. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you caught this, but in the beginning when they're with the horse at the uh, at the shoot, uh, someone's like, "Hey, what's your name?" And he's like, "OJ." Yeah, and he's like, 
OJ? Yeah, that one. Yeah, Otis Jr. And I was like, oh, you sly dog. Like, that's a shot at OJ, and he's dealing with horses. Yep, and oh, 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 he 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 has a good he has his getaway in a Bronco. <laughs> yeah, But uh, yeah, uh, he gets away with it. But yeah, I definitely uh, I, I thought um, the OJ character was uh, was great. Uh, it's he's definitely like because uh, um, when I was watching with my wife, she was definitely like trying to like read him because there are times where he's like assessing a situation, but it kind of reads as if he's just kind of slow, you know. But he's not. He's just like yeah. he's very. He's just very like non externally reactive to things. <laughs> like you know, like he'll be staring off at something, and like even like even when he's scared, he's not giving you much in his eyes. You know. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was a real like minimalist type of performance. And as someone who's gone back and watched uh, like westerns of the fifties and sixties. Um, he, to me, was kind of, uh, one of those, like, cowboy types, uh, in those, in those those westerns, um, and I thought it was interesting because he, he, he was one of those, yeah, one of those, like, you know, John Wayne kind of cowboy types, but he's a black man. Strong, silent type, man with no name type thing. Strong, silent type. Uh, gets along with the animals, doesn't really like people, um, you know, doesn't really care about Hollywood, but he cares about the animals and, and dealing with them. He's always wanting to do work and, and get stuff done. Um, and I think that kind of speaks more to, uh, uh, once again, to that theme of representation. Um, and, uh, Especially with the different kind of roles I've seen Daniel Kaluuya in, whether it's Black Panther, he was in Widows, um, you know, of course, Get Out. Like, he, he does something different every time. And um, when, when he was kind of, you know, like you said, seeming a bit slow and stuff, I'm like, all right, what's he doing here? And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, he kind of is one of those, like, uh, Western archetypes uh, of of sorts you just don't think of it because he's black <laughs> oh I mean this is a straight up sci-fi western I mean like right. down yeah. to I mean down to the music <laughs> oh absolutely yeah for sure there's a great sequence where the thing that we'll talk about later is over the house <laughs> you know at nighttime. And like he just kind of looks up and just goes, like opens the door and just goes, nah, no, 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 just gonna stay in the car here. Just he, you know, like, and you know, and they use that that word a lot that you will hear every black person say in the movie theater. <laughs> right? nah, nah, nope. Nah. Nope. Nope. nope, 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 it's not happening. <laughs> nope, not going in there. Nah, <laughs> nah. And you see me like, like, and my wife was so like, she was flabbergasted that he just fell asleep. She's like, how did he fall asleep? But he's just like, no, I'm not getting out of this car. So. Nope. <laughs> I loved it because, like, you know, you have that stereotype of, you know, black people in the cinema and everything and say, no, why are you getting in there? And all that kind of stuff. 
uh, in like the horror movies, and like I feel like he was he was listening to him. Oh, he, oh, he was <laughs> had them screaming in his ears, just no, <laughs> no. He, now the only thing that kind of threw me off uh, about this being, you know, because this is definitely a Western sci-fi type thing, is um, there's a particular scene in the, uh, like, I guess in the barn or, like, you know, where they keep the horses at night, yeah. where, um, and it's kind of a, and it starts off being, like, a very kind of, you know, tension-scary scene, and he pulls out his phone to record it, and all I thought was, this is definitely California, because if this was Texas... <laughs> People are getting shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't just sneak onto my property at night and expect me to not just lay you out. That like <laughs> I can't be playing games here. <laughs> right. Because I'm and also I'm just thinking, wait, how do you like? How are you kind of a cowboy rancher and you don't like have a gun on the property? Like that, like kind of that kind of stuck out to me because I'm like, even if like like even if not just like you know to protect your animals from coyotes and things, you know. But, but it, yeah, I just found that I just found it to be weird that, I, that that his life may be threatening, and he's like, "So my phone is out, and I'm going to record this." But it also is a commentary on how people are these days, right? Where they will literally put their lives on the line to get, you know, that good shot of something on their phone, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it it's like that saying that you know, if you didn't get a picture of it, did it really happen? It get- Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree. As this movie is pretty much all about surveillance <laughs> to some degree. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's like they, it's like a. I, I think one of the few, like, like one of the only few problems I have with this movie is just how quickly they hop to that. You know, like, like, oh, I think I saw something. Buy all the cameras. <laughs> And I'm like, can we just double check before we like, you know, make such a, you know, su- like such a heavy investment? <laughs> right. Maybe like wait until it happens like one more time. Yeah, because I was because it, it was one time, and they're like, okay. I'm like, maybe just one more time. You just, you just one confirmation to be like, all right, yeah, that is what I thought it was. Let's let's you know, let's get on it. Yeah, and like, hey, it was long enough. They could have shaped some uh, some time off. Uh, some other scenes uh, to, to just put that in there. Yeah, uh, this is, uh, speaking of kind of the length and the pacing, this is one of those films I walked out feeling like it could have been shorter, but I necessarily wasn't bored either. Right. Which is yeah, a, which is a weird thing to say. Insane. Which is a weird thing to say, right? Normally you're like, normally you feel the length because it's dragging. And I never felt, I never felt the drag, but I felt that time wasn't being used economically. If you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I want to point out is how beautiful that nighttime cinematography is. Oh, yeah. I mean, technically this film is just phenomenal. Yeah. Apparently, I, I, I don't know his name, but apparently... Uh, Peel has um, one of the DPs that works regularly with Nolan. So. Oh really? Yeah, and it definitely shows. I mean, there is one scene, uh, you know, where he's kind of, you know, basically being stalked at night. You know, and you see the thing moving in the sky, and it feels like this kind of upside down Jaws. And I thought that, yeah. was, and I, and you know, and the music is very, it's very Jaws-ish, you know. 
at points? Well, yeah, I mean, well, you said it, so let's talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. It? Uh, uh, you, said, you said Jaws. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like going in this, uh, I was saying to myself, oh, this is like going to be Jordan Peele's, like, uh, it, it, it's going to be his uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. Which there's some of that, but it is very much Jaws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> instead of being afraid to go in the water, you're afraid to look up in the sky. Yep. Um, not to mention what they did with the sound design and uh, just in general was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just the sound mixing, sound design, all of that, the, the score, the music, like, is just really good the sound design uh, at times with the ship slash creature like reminded me of the tripods in war of the worlds yeah yeah like it kind of had that kind of horn type sound like that giant kind of horn yeah and i thought that was cool and they kind of shied away from it you know because you don't really see all of it for quite a bit in the movie and once again it's that whole jaws thing of uh building that tension before getting seeing all of it because you really don't see all of it until pretty much the end yeah and the and at the end you're like what is that right Does it like, kind of, i've never seen anything like that i mean it kind of just like for better words i mean it basically blossoms yeah so i'm like oh okay that's that's very unique <laughs> i've never seen that before and this movie is very much like what if instead of it being a UFO movie, what if the UFO was the alien? Right? Like, what I thought was, I mean, it was so interesting because, like, there's been UFO movies and alien invasion movies forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a lot of good ones, though. Not a lot of good ones, and they never, they've never done this, where the, the alien is the ship, and is some sort of creature, like animal of some sort. It was really refreshing to the genre uh, and really subverted <laughs> a lot of what we know about uh, the UFO alien invasion type of movie. Mm-hmm. Again, and then on top of that, we have this, uh, you know, I kind of want to hop on this, like, while we're talking, you know, like, while we have the kind of Jaws kind of animal comparison. There is a uh, another character here played by Steven Yoon, I think, wonderfully. Yes. And there's a, this movie opens up with a very, kind of a very tension-filled scene that we get back to later involving a chimpanzee. And I'm and I'm not gonna and I'm not gonna lie, uh, Brian. But that chimpanzee was scarier than the alien for me because I know that it they was, can do that. <laughs> yeah, it was because like I've also heard of like how dangerous chimpanzees, like adult chimpanzees, are because you know people think they're so damn cute, but like you know they will rip your face off, they will beat you, they'll rip off your nuts. I mean they 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 have a whole like, uh, like standard operating procedure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> really fuck you up. Oh, yeah. And they can be, like, you know, really vicious creatures, no matter, you know, how 
cute they are or how docile they may seem, they are still wild animals. And, you know, they should be respected and not exploited. Well, I mean, respected in the sense that it's just like, just, I'm... That's that's a chimpanzee, <laughs> you know. You're like, oh, the tiger went crazy. No, the tiger went tiger. <laughs> right, exactly. I think they even uh, mentioned what is it? The who are the tiger guys? Oh, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. Yeah, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it was just like, yeah, that's that's what's you know, animals gonna be animals, and um, you know, it's both you know, it's it's scary but also sad, right? You know, like what happens to the what like you know what like you know what happens to these animals when they go loose in captivity on people. It's like on one hand you're like they killed people, so you know gotta put it down. But on the other hand you're just like, but y'all brought this motherfucker in here, <laughs> like 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 you know it wasn't his choice <laughs> to be here in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you know you knew someone knew what they were doing and just ignored it or had a clue what they were doing and just saw dollar signs and just ignored all the risks. Probably the latter. But um Well and also Well it happens but it happens but also like, you know, those kind of risks aren't really respected until it happens. And they're just like, and, and all, you know, and when, and you know, and especially when you can get through, you know, a good, you know, half a season, full season of a show where the chimp is perfectly fine, you know, you start to get this sense of, uh, this sense of safety, you know, of it's, it's going to be fine. The chimp has always been good. You know, chimp's good in front of the camera and like nobody freaks out. He's good. And then one day a balloon pops and everyone's fucked. <laughs> it only takes one. <laughs> That was like, I was uncomfortable. I was like, and like, yeah, when they uh, return to that scene, like, they sit in it. Oh, like, yeah. I felt... They sit in it for a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, and uh, and props to that kid who played the young uh, young Steven Yeun character, because that kid acted his ass off. His, like, I, I felt the fear in his eyes. Oh, my goodness. I, I, yeah, Gotta look him up. I gotta give that kid some credit. His name is uh, Jacob Pym. Jacob Pym. Here's to you, sir. I'm gonna uh, take a drink. I'm a toast to you, sir. Well done. Yeah, yeah. That kid was. Whew. I mean, he was just in it very briefly, but uh, yeah, he he did a great job. Hey, Brian. There are no uh, there are no small parts. Only small actors. Very true. Very true. But. Just to kind of dovetail off that to Stephen Yoon, did you find it weird that he was that it looked like he was reminiscing about it with a fondness? You know, he is, but he's also not directly talking about it. You know, I, I, he uses like the SNL skit to kind of detach from it. Uh huh. A bit. So like like he is, but he isn't because he's not. He, he totally like sidesteps her question and goes into like the SNL skit now the the parody and everything like that, um, and and isn't like directly talking about what he experienced and kind of in my opinion kind of deflecting a bit of uh, the pain which. 
we see later obviously still affects him. Yeah, and it feels and, and the thing is, it has both this. Um, it has this understandable grossness to it, in my opinion. Yeah. Where he's clearly exploiting it, right, to make money with that room. He with that room he has of all the memorabilia. But yeah, but people pay money to go in there and, and check it out. Yeah, like I, I think it, I think he even said a couple like paid money just to stay in there for a night. Right. Which is yeah. like weird. I don't know anyone that's a, that big of a fan of a show to just want to sleep around memorabilia. But all right. Especially like a bloody shoe. <laughs> yeah, but then on top of it, like it was an experience that he has an ownership of, right? So you can kind of almost see the justification in his mind of like this is like me taking the power back, right? Of it, you know, of it being so horrible, and you know, and you know, oh, it traumatized me, so I'm going to you know milk it for all it's worth, so to speak. I don't know, like you know, that's kind of you know an idea that passed in my head about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll talk about that a, a little bit, like later um uh, some of that some of his stuff kind of feels a little unfinished for me oh i agree um, but it but it was like an excellent like it was a half-baked cake that i was real i really wanted to see the full baked cake of because it was because it, it was coming it was it was rising beautifully exactly exactly i feel the same way all right cool cool so what else you got sir definitely bounce every other very well they feel like you know like a real brother and sister <laughs> yeah yeah it, it felt like oh yeah I've had like you know anybody who has siblings like yeah you know they drive you crazy and like sometimes you just feel like I love you but I don't like you very much and, uh, it felt like that with them for sure yeah and it's also a 
they went an interesting route with their personalities, right? Because the brother was the one that was, you know, supposed to be inherit like through basically kind of old man ways was uh was you know, was set to inherit the kingdom, right, from his dad. Like they're doing that whole thing where like she was supposed to get her own horse, you know, like, you know, train her own horse, but her dad was like, nah. And so and so uh you would think, you know, like, you know, with the son basically being set up to get all that, that he would be more confident. You know what I mean? That you know, that he'd yeah. be like, you know, like, oh, this is gonna be mine and I'm gonna, you know, like, you know, carry on the family legacy and stuff. And he's just I mean he I mean he, he's not just quiet I mean he avoids eye contact like every like a weapons grade introvert yeah but that becomes that becomes important <laughs> oh just just like just just like a quiet place those um those disabilities come in handy <laughs> yeah yeah and, and once again it goes back to the details mm-hmm. with uh with Jordan Peele there's another little detail uh in the movie um, that I picked up uh, right as it happened, and then I've heard like some other people talking about, like, did you catch this? So I was like, yeah, I got it. Um, so when she's talking, doing her little spiel about like her family and and, uh, and the horses and all that kind of stuff uh, at the shoot, like the safety briefing, uh, she says, uh, you know, uh, the guy on the horse uh, in the first movie was my great great grandfather and then OJ says great uh, another great mm-hmm. and she goes another great well then later you hear Keith David uh, giving that exact same speech and you realize that she copied what he said mm-hmm. so she missed that that last great because she was just copying what her dad said mm-hmm. and I just like it's a blinking you miss it kind of thing but it kind of tells you like how much she you know looked up to her dad and uh, loved her dad even if he wasn't always the best oh yeah oh yeah I I mean he let her down let's just say it you know he let her down yeah and uh, and she kind of almost seems like overly boisterous, at, you know, to overcompensate for her disappointment in him, right? Absolutely. As someone who can be very loud and brash and all that kind of stuff sometimes, uh, and and uh, uses uh, sarcasm as as a defense mechanism, I understand that. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and honestly, like another like little tidbit, and I didn't realize it until now, but like. Uh, at the end, she's like riding a bike, uh, like in this kind of cool little chase scene, and I, I for like I was like, did they set up that she could ride bikes? <laughs> and then I had to remember that it was in her little spiel at the beginning, <laughs> of like one of the uh, like so when she's saying like all the, all her other things she can do, she mentions like like riding motorcycles, like when she's just throwing out a bazillion. She's like, I can sink, I can do this, I can ride bikes, I can do this, all that stuff. And it's it, it's so quick, but I had to think like because it's such a specific skill, and she has to be good at it for that scene. So, so it at least had it like had to be said at least once in the film, otherwise that would be cheating. It's just like, wait, she can just ride motorcycles now? Yeah, I mean, like I said, he, he get, it's like uh, in uh, Get Out with uh, the what was it the Fruit Loops? Yeah. It's just, he gets it, like, you know, those little tiny details, you know, for people who, who pick them up, it's, uh, 
you know, it's just like a, a not, you know, nod of the head. It's just like, like you know, I got you. It's like for, it's like it's, it's like for all you smart mofos out there, this one's for you. <laughs> exactly, it's like a tip of the cap. Another guy I want to point out. I don't know his name, but uh, the guy who was the uh, the cameraman guy. Oh, uh, the the cinematographer. Yeah. Uh, Michael Wincott. Yeah, I I I never I haven't seen The Crow, but I know that's what he's most famous for. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was great. Um, that being said, uh, on the negative side, well, I'm not quite sure what his ending was supposed to be or mean. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't make sense to me either. Um, I, I'm not sure what he was proving or doing. Yeah, it didn't quite make sense. But I did enjoy him. I, I, I definitely love the... Um, there's a point where they're trying to get that get that Oprah shot, and they get a great shot, but he just goes, and the light wasn't right. And I like that's like that's definitely a cinematographer right there, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I thought he was I, I I thought he was great for his role. I actually thought that uh I forgot I also I keep forgetting character's name, but that guy who worked at Fry's, I thought he was also great. Oh yeah, he killed it. I thought he was. I thought he was. Uh, he was the right level of comedic relief. Yeah. Like not enough to like, like in the trailers you can definitely like see, kind of. He kind of comes across as annoying in the trailers, but when you watch him in the movie, he's like, no, he's completely understandable. He definitely feels like he's in this because he just needs something to do because he's so bored at work. Yeah, and and he just had a breakup, and uh, you know he's kind of. Uh, get screwed by Hollywood too because his uh, what was it his girlfriend got like a pilot and dumped him hey fuck um, the CW everyone's everyone's oh yeah the CW <laughs> um, and uh, so like everyone in this movie is kind of like on the fringes of Hollywood or screwed by Hollywood or exploited by Hollywood in some way you know oh yeah you know whether or not it's you that's being eaten the beast needs to be fed Okay. Um, but I haven't seen that, um, and that looks like pretty much anything. Yeah, all everything else was like short films and stuff. So um, he is relatively uh, pretty much a newcomer. Okay. Well, well, cool. I've heard I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things about Doom Patrol. Just haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Same. But yeah, I thought uh, again in terms of all the characters, I think all the characters are strong. I think um, I think the action set pieces because there's definitely like a giant kind of an action set piece near the end that I think is I think is a very well shot very good I'm not quite sure if all the pieces of it worked if you know what I mean like I feel like there were decisions that I'm like wait why are you doing this <laughs> like there's a yeah. like um OJ like has a hood on that has like th- uh, these dots made to, made to look like eyes and I'm like why would you want that on there like like that seems like that that's gonna get you killed, <laughs> mm-hmm. because this thing doesn't really care if it like you know if you're actually looking at it, it like it just needs to think that you are looking at it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. It, it, I I think some of that went on a little too long. Yeah, I mean it wasn't the best, but uh, like I 
think a lot of you know there's a lot of stuff that did work. Yeah. Uh, so what else you got, Brand? I really like how he. I mean, he's Jordan Peele, but like just the way he built the tension and the mystery of of it. I think he's. I think he's just second to none uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And then how he like added some comedy just in the right moments to kind of break the tension at points or you know lighten it up. He just mixes all that in, and it feels like. He, he hits the tones at the right spot and then it all blends together pretty well too like he's just a natural at that oh yeah it's like if there's two things that are hard to blend it's comedy and horror because uh comedy can definitely uh diffuse all the tension of horror (laughs) right and so you have to walk that line very carefully (laughs) yeah and Yeah, I don't know how, but uh, he's again like you know some people. Some people just got it. You know, he's got, he's got that thing. <laughs> he's got it, man. He's and you know, you know, and, and you know, apparently, you know, obviously, he's a big horror fan, and he's also a huge comedy guy. So I feel like you know, you know, a, a guy that love and respects and, and studies at the altar of horror films, but also is a you know, you know, is a comedy master, would be the one to have uh, to have that magic touch, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, and in in, in terms of positives, I I think I'm about out. So, so if you want to finish up on yours, yeah, let's hop. Let's hop hop on over to the other side. Okay, so uh, let's let's hop or let's hop over again to that thing we talked about with Stephen Yoon. Yes. Where you have this great character. This great character who's like is kind of paralleling this, you know, this this kid that was probably also exploited. I mean, they even said, "Hey, aren't you the little Asian kid from that show?" And kind of, kind of almost taken, you know, uh, felt very short round ish. Oh, um, oh, and and on top of that, I mean, if you recall watching the scene with the chimp is going ape shit, you know, pardon my pun, <laughs> but I mean, they just, I mean, it, that studio is empty. Like they just left H. They left not one but two children in there to fend for themselves. Yeah. I mean, he is hiding. I mean, you know, he's probably pissed himself. That other, that poor girl, you know, like just oh. get is just get you know is getting beaten to hell and getting her face eaten off. And you're just like shit. And then and the adults are just like, as long as it's not me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the actor that played the dad was just hiding upstairs until he could escape, and he didn't but you know the fact that he did but the fact that he didn't even like think to put himself in between himself you know put put himself you know between them you know the, the ape and the children you know it's just another thing of just showing how you know everyone's out for themselves there so yeah and and yeah like you said i i think his like subplot was interesting and it, it like you said paralleled the the film's main theme but ultimately I, I just felt unsatisfied with it because I felt like it really shortchanged the wrap-up of that plot. It, it just didn't pay off what was a very, very promising uh, setup. Um, it, it, it just didn't make a, hundred, a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much ended his story off-screen, so to speak. And- right. 
And the, the and here's the thing. I think his I think the way his story ended was the correct way to end his story. It just didn't have the proper build up. Exactly. Because for a character is a victim of the system and then and is exploited by the system only to then, you know, exploit it himself and then again becomes a you know, a victim of his own exploitation. That you know, that seems like a beautiful like, you know, full circle, right? Absolutely. But I, and I think this would probably, I think this, I don't know if this would make it more complete, but it would definitely make it better. So you know how um, they basically, like, you know, use those horses to basically, like, show their little, like, UFO show, right? Yeah. To kind of base them. Yeah. Well, I, and, I, and I feel like, th- I mean, the real problem is that they never, like, hinted at, at them doing this and it, wor- and it working for so long, right? I mean, the first time we see it, it's going wrong. So is and so and so we're like I mean I can put one I can put two and two together to be like okay this isn't the way it normally goes but at the same time because I haven't seen it go right enough I don't you know like that kind of comfortability comes with it working the first couple times or at least the first time right and you knowing that this is obviously obviously something they always do and then this time it just didn't but the fact is they you know like immediately jump to the time it doesn't work and so you're just like, like it feels a little no country for old men in terms of they they're kind of playing shorthand and hope that you can connect the dots <laughs> with the th- right. with the themes. So and, and really, like the only hint that they've done it before, and you kind of picked this up after the fact, but like when uh, OJ asks him. Like, hey, I can still buy back some of my horses that I sold to you, right? And, like, Stephen Ewing's character gets real, like, dodgy. Like, uh, uh... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. And then you realize, oh, he was was acting like that because those horses are dead. But, like, you really have to get there to connect those two. Yeah. And again, like, I feel like, you know, like, you know, the dots I'm connecting now while talking to you on this review are making the movie way better for me on the page. But, but again, I feel like you need to connect more dots for it to be, you know, for it to um, give me that cathartic feeling as an audience member, you know? Yeah. Like, you, like you can only, it can make so much sense, but if it doesn't, but if you don't, like, have that moment... You don't feel it. Like, I get what you're doing. It's smart. It makes perfect sense. But, you know, you know, again, it's, it's all about a feeling, too. Like, you know, like there's a reason why, you know, certain, like doing certain things in movies will always get your audience to cry, right? Right. <laughs> like, there's a science to this. And I feel like he was trying to, uh, I don't know if he's trying to be more clever or trying to be more subtle with it. I mean, I appreciate some subtlety. But not so subtle that I uh, I miss out on those uh, those oh so important feels that you know like elevate to film right exactly so but yeah those yeah, are my th- I agree. but yeah those are my thoughts on that uh, what you got uh, yeah we've kind of talked about the runtime a little bit it definitely did feel a bit bloated um, at, at at times I feel like there there were like some storylines and like. There was, like, some, like, quick flashback sequences that, like, really didn't seem to, like, serve any purpose. Oh, you mean the flashbacks to his dad talking about stuff? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like it was like, yeah, he's talking. I, I mean, f- I mean, for me, whenever there's a flashback of him and his dad, I assume the dad's just like laying on something that's gonna be more for the theme than for the plot, right? Because that tends to be how a lot of movies go when people are just talking about things. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, the smarter ones, anyway. I mean, it, I mean, I mean, it felt it felt very timely. Jones and No Country for Old Men, where he's just kind of basically saying the theme of the movie every time he's on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had to get that bike there somehow, Brian. Yeah, I, I know, but once again, I don't know. It, it didn't feel, it, I just, I feel what? like that just elongated the, the climactic ending scene, and there was just a more succinct way to get from point A to point B that would have maybe brought down the, the film's runtime just a little bit. Oh, he's oh solve that problem easily. Just have her have have her own her own bike. Right. So, because she mentioned that she does that stuff already. So just like it makes sense that it makes sense that she would just have her own bike. Simple as that. Problem solved. We can move on. Exactly. Exactly. So and, so there there was some stuff like that that um you know just kind of jumped out to me like hmm, you know okay it, it's not as like tight as I would like it to be. Yeah, uh, I, I, and this I guess this is more of a kind of a neutral thing. I did enjoy the uh, the Akira uh, power slide on the bike. I don't I don't know if you've ever seen the anime Akira, but uh, but uh, but there's a very iconic shot of a character like basically power sliding a bike to a stop, and they do it do it with her at the end. And I remember, well, no, because I heard someone like reviewing it and just saying that like there is an Akira shot in here. So if you're an Akira fan, you'll know it when you see it. And and it was pretty cool. Yeah, like, oh no, I haven't seen it, but it was a cool shot. Oh no, I, 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 I know it's a cool shot. And apparently, uh, once upon a time, Jordan Peele was asked to uh, was tapped to direct an Akira, and he was like, "Nah," because he's a big fan. But he's just like, "Nah, I want to do original things, but I do love Akira." So I, I see that he's very much kind of just sliding in his influences here and there, and you know, more power to him. Yeah, I, I actually remember that when he when people were talking about him being tapped for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. What do you got? You got anything else? I think I'm pretty much good. I think it was I, like I think it's just kind of like the um, just the lack of connected dots. You know, that's just kind of the real thing, and it's more of a feeling. Yeah, and I mean, like I like I feel like this movie had all the ingredients to you know to grant me that cathartic feeling, and it just didn't. And it, like it got me almost there, but didn't you know? Yeah, I I think also like with him he, he, he's grabbing at a couple of different themes um in the movie and it just once again I gotta get I gotta get get out out of my head um because like that felt so singularly focused on like one societal issue and this felt both much smaller than that but also at the same time more broad than that and just it felt a little bit unfocused um but once again that's me comparing this movie to get out which i'm trying not to do um so so there's that so that might be like more of a me thing um but uh because uh you know i've got to let his 
this movie stand on its own. Um, and, uh, and and maybe something like that won't uh, bother me on a rewatch as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, once you know what you're given, you kind of just see it for what it is, and you generally will have a better time. <laughs> so. All right, cool, man. We'll let's wrap it up. Is Nope bad, good, or Oprah? Brian. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it quite gets to Oprah, but, uh, but it's definitely good. It, it, it's a good movie. Um, you know, it, it's definitely his biggest movie while also being a smaller story. It, I mean, I just love the character moments, love the acting. I mean... Literally, I've never seen uh, what he did with the UFO uh, with that storyline. I've never seen it before. So whenever I go to a theater and, and I see something that I've never seen before, that's hard to do. Yeah. And so I love that because it is few and far between, especially as a movie nerd who's gone way back um, in time. And I, I just love being surprised at the movie theater even if everything didn't quite you know wrap uh, uh, like I would have liked even though you know the Stephen Young didn't quite work and it was a little bloated but like he, we said it he just got it man he has it and he'll get me to the theater don't even need to tell me what it is oh Jordan Peele's got a new movie Cool. Don't even need to watch a, a trailer. Like, I'm gone. And so, so I'll keep going. And it's not quite Oprah, not quite Get Out. Um, but you know what? I had a good time, and uh, I was I was surprised at what I got. Yeah. You know, I'll take it. Here, here. I will agree with you. It ain't uh, it ain't Get Out, and it ain't Oprah, but it's good. Uh, it's, I, it's good, and you know, you know, you know, in a sea of comic book adaptions and rebooted IPs, you got to respect the originality, you know? You got to respect the people trying to get new stuff, you know, out to the masses and trying to get something something new, you know? It's uh, you know, there you know, there's plenty of new there's plenty of ideas out there, you know what I mean? Like there's we will never ever run out of ideas. It's just a matter of the people that can see the writing on the wall and know you know like where that next gold rush is you know of things to talk about and uh i think jordan Peele's one of those guys that's just like you know he's like whether or not he like whether or not he strikes gold is you know it's going to be hit or nip well it's going to be hit or miss but i'd rather he be out there like like looking for gold in new places you know than in those old reliable mines right And uh, and uh, we as uh, we as people are nothing if not explorers, right? Absolutely. You especially being a man of nature, so. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, let's wrap this one up. Thank you for joining us at First Glance. You can find us on the Podbean app as well as the Apple Podcast app. I am Jimmy McKinley. I'm Brad Bowers. And thank you for joining us. <laughs>